Hello, and welcome to the Fiber Farming Podcast. This is episode one, introduction, or reintroduction, as I should say. My name is Kelly, I am your host, and I live on a family farm in rural West Virginia, and we have a beef cattle farm, but hopefully it'll be going into a sheep farm here in the springtime. I'm currently... uh, folding some clothes up, so if you hear some pauses and ums, I'm so sorry. We're trying to get things reorganized. People really like to give our baby clothes, so we have a lot of clothes. (laughs) And I'm really trying to keep up with uh, the demand. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I used to be known as the Purple Photo Kitty Video Podcast. I then moved on to the Fiber Farming Podcast when I moved out of Scotland and be, you know, got married, got pregnant, now I have my child, so I've gone through all the lovely stages of podcasting, and if you'd like to see any of those, I am actually on Blogspot, and all of those episodes are labeled podcasts, so if you'd like to go back through those, you are more than welcome. Now, moving on. From that, uh, what I've been knitting, I have been knitting barely anything. I have knitted my child a couple gnome hats, uh, because it's cold here, they're easy to make, and she looks so darn cute in them. (laughs) One I did in a blue handspun, I know she's a girl, but I had blue handspun to work with, and (laughs) she, uh, she looks really adorable in them, and... I really like that we're getting into a time where I can actually put knitwear on my child. Unfortunately, she's a really, really hot running child. If you've had one of those, you know exactly what I mean. The ones that don't like to be swaddled. Yeah, she is one of those children. So knitwear, all this lovely knitwear that I knitted her for her baby years, she doesn't like because she gets too hot in it. And therefore... (laughs) We can't actually get her in it. But, um, we've been working on her. And we've been working on getting her to actually sleep outside of our own bed. But, eh, that doesn't work. Anyways, um, onward to the knitting. I have been knitting a ponchette. It's called the Lady Suffragette Ponchette. That's a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) And it's out of a lovely gradient yarn. I'll list the yarn in the show notes. They'll be a little rough this week, um, but I hope to get back into the swing of things soon. Now, um, she, she, (laughs) the ponchette is very good. It has, it's a basic pattern. It's very basic, but I wanted something basic that I could throw over myself in the dead of winter and look pretty when I took my coat off. So, (laughs) I'm a mom, I really don't have much style, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I try and get things done here. I have my own business. My husband uh, actually is a uh, farmer, and he, like a farm hand, as well as a farmer, so he has two farming jobs. That's crazy, let me tell you. (laughs) Especially around this time when cows are being moved, hay's being done, wood needs to be cut, the farm here needs to be tended to. It's just nuts. Thankfully, we live right next to the grandparents, his parents, and 
it it might work out. We might get it done. <laughs> uh, we try. But I've been working on a cowl for him because he does work outside all the time. And he needs a cowl, but I have to knit it sideways because I either get it done too loose, too tight, you know. So now you knit it sideways, I can wrap it around his face and see if he likes it. <laughs> if he doesn't, then I, I either add length or subtract length. And we're done. I'll put ribbing at the top and bottom if I have enough yarn. But it is like a rib pattern to start with. So hopefully it's a sideways rib pattern. If you didn't catch that. It's a sideways rib pattern. So hopefully that will work for him. Now, I've also been trying to do these little woolly hats. You use up scrap yarn and some toilet paper. I'll put the link there and a picture of one that I've made. And, I mean, they look cute and all. And I'll be selling them at the farmer's market as well as the Autumn Harvest Festival, a.k.a. the Roadkill Cook-Off. Yes, I do live in West Virginia. Yes, there is a festival called the Roadkill Cook-Off. So, <laughs> and that is happening at the end of September. It's not this weekend, it's next weekend. So it is really, really coming up soon. And I have to vend. <laughs> I don't have to, but I'm going to vend at that festival and it's craziness. I am trying to get all my stock together and it is just failing. <laughs> so my knitting has been on hold for a little bit, but that's fine. Um, spinning, I have done a lot of spinning for the shop. I've done pictures, you'll see pictures down in the show notes below. And I've been trying to go as fast as possible because I started out with 100 hand-spun skeins. I have about 150 throughout the season for this last farmer's market season that's been since August so uh, I now have about 20 left <laughs> people really like my hand spun it's cheap it's by the yard because it's based on roving I've already bought so I don't put the price of the roving one I probably don't remember the price of the roving but I don't put the price of the roving into the price uh, next year that's gonna change Although it won't change that much because the price of the roving that I'm going to be buying to be spinning is not going to be that much. And then we're going to have sheep and then that's going to be a special farm hand spun. And that will have a different price of course than the roving that I buy commercially or from other people. Alright, so that's that. Uh, my hand spun ranges from $2.50 to I think the highest one seventeen dollars Somewhere around there. It depends on the yardage and what plies it is. So, eh, yeah, that's all that is. It's how many times it runs through my spinning wheel, basically. And I use an Astro Traveler. Um, her name is Julie slash Julia. So if she's good, she's Julie. If she's not good, she's Julia. So if you chuckle at the reference, you'll understand. It's a movie reference, by the way. Anyways, um, that's been my spinning life. I've just been spinning like a fiend. I tried and get six skeins done in a week, and let me tell you, that's hard to do when you have just three hours during the day to actually do something. <laughs> Anything, like cleaning and things like that. Normally, the baby goes down for a sleep in the afternoon when I have her. She's at the grandparents' in the morning. Another reason I love them nearby. Um, and... <laughs> Right now, I've been trying to put her down, and she screams. So, she wants mommy time. And that's just how life is with the baby, you know. 
in your home, you know, you don't get to take her to the nursery and they deal with that. <laughs> you have to deal with it. She'll scream and she needs her sleep because that one, if she does not get her sleep, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, it's like baby Zilla <laughs> has roamed the earth and she's starting to learn how to crawl. So now I'm trying to get her to learn how to crawl and I try to keep her awake enough, and then she's eating baby food. I know she's five and a half months old, okay? She's been eating baby food since she was six weeks old. There's a reason for that. The doctor knows about it. She didn't, like, eat baby food. It's not a replacement. She ate it to fill herself because she was having some gastrointestinal problems. So we gave her, like, a tablespoon a day, if that. First it started out with, like, a teaspoon a day, and then it was a tablespoon a day. Now that child eats eight ounces of baby food <laughs> in one sitting... And she's still only in the 30th percentile for her weight and height. I don't know, <laughs> you know. She drinks the amount she's supposed to of formula. She eats the amount she is supposed to for baby food. The child just won't gain weight. <laughs> she moves. Constantly. If she's awake, she's moving. Even if she's asleep, she's moving. So, she does not stop. She has abs, people. This child at five and a half months old is crawling. <laughs> she could stand when she was two months old. So we are trying to keep up with our own child, and it's very hard. But I've been trying to do that and dyeing some yarn. I had some new yarn. I did 22 skeins. And let me talk about that. That's going to be my main segment for this this week. Normally I should have more of a balance, but this week is basically my shop because my knitting as I said is going to be a little low until winter time when my shop actually stops being such a demand on me um my shop is actually my skeins are dyed on my wood stove I do not use my electric stove I use my wood stove so I cannot dye during the winter uh, during the summertime Unless I want to make the house really hot, which is what I had to do a couple weeks ago. I had to turn, uh, to put a fire in, and <laughs> thankfully it was kind of a cool day, so it wasn't that bad, and the baby was gone. So I just needed it warm enough for a couple hours <laughs> to set my dye. And how I dye, um, I actually do kettle dyes. So most of mine are solid colors. Uh, unfortunately... Sometimes that comes out. <laughs> People want, I want a sweater quantity of yarn from you, Indie Dyer. I don't have that set up just at the moment. <laughs> I hope to have that set up uh, in a couple of years, but I cannot do sweater quantities unless you specifically pay me in ahead of time to get the amounts that you need. I get my amounts in 10 skein increments, and when I throw things into a kettle dye, that is what they are, kettle dyed. And it is very hard to see how some things strike and how some things don't strike. Trust me, I can make it one solid color. If you ever look on my Etsy shop, which is seaberries.etsy.com, and that's C-E-A-B-E-R-R-Y-S dot Etsy dot com, uh, you'll see I can make something a solid color. It doesn't bother me. That's hand painting. That... Uh, is a technique that I do where I hand paint the yarn and then I set the dye. And I can do that for somebody for sweater quantities. That doesn't bother me. But you have to understand that takes a heck of a lot of time. You do do get a discount based on my hand painting prices because you are buying so many. But it is still pretty hefty 
So I would leave that to people who do that on a regular basis. If you want something unique, you want one or two skeins that look similar, that's fine. I can get up to three skeins that kind of look alike, but I have been completely surprised. I will have more than enough dye to dye three skeins in a pot, throw the things in a pot, I get one dark one, one medium one, and one with white and light purple things. And I throw them in at the same time. So, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> uh, anyways, on with that. I've been dying a lot, and I've been trying to get things caught up, but I also do self-striping. My self-striping, however, is very, very, very pungent. It is a very solid colors, because I dye those a little differently than I would my other kettle dyes and I don't want to go into it but it, I make myself striping two different ways I have ways to make different length stripes and I have ways to make more equally length stripes okay the different length stripes is a secret the equally length ones those are easy if you ever see my skeins you know how I do it it's I dip one half in, in one pot one half in the other roughly <laughs> And then I move them so they do bleed nicely into each other with very little white spots in between. So, there. That's that's that. Um, I do do proper gradients. My proper gradients, like my uh, different things of self-striping, is a secret. <laughs> and so is the other one, uh, unfortunately. So, <laughs> I can't really go into that process. But let me just tell you, I do have what's called a proper gradient where they will gradiate through whichever colors I choose. Uh, it can go through one color or multiple colors. Um, and that one takes a long, long, long time. It's annoying. And those skeins are very, very uh, high-priced. And they're only like that uh, for my thicker yarns. I will not do that kind of dyeing with my thin lace weight yarns. I did it once and I got a total mess. So I've actually recreated a different way of doing it with lace weight yarns. It takes a lot less time and so I started doing it with my thicker yarns. It took a lot less time. It was a lot better. So <laughs> anyways, uh, my other gradients are what I call my modeled gradients. And what happens is, is it goes from a very light color all the way to a very darker color, but the darker colors modeled throughout the gradients. So you get pops of color going down. So it's like a speckled gradient is the best way to say it. Or mottled, which is what that means. Um, and it is a very, very, very slow gradient. And sometimes when I do it, it is not a gradient. <laughs> it is like one color for a long, long time, then it slowly, slowly transitions at the very end to another color. So if you had a shawl that had edging, you would be great for that because it would be one main color with speckles in it, and then the very edging of it would be a different color. And sometimes it doesn't do that. Sometimes it goes from a very light color, goes to a medium color, and slowly goes into a darker color. It's just how it's dyed, how the dye strikes, and how I do it, and how long I leave it to go. <laughs> so that one is a fun one. I'm still perfecting that technique. No one else does it. I know they don't because they wouldn't be crazy enough to do it. 
<laughs> so, uh, it's always interesting, that um, gradient technique. So, that's my yarn shop. It's called Seaberries Haberdashery. And that's C-E-A-B-E-R-R-Y-S dot Etsy dot com. You can find me at fiberfarming.blogspot.com. And any of my show notes should be there. Um, Hopefully I'll be uploading on iTunes soon. And I will be talking to you guys in roughly a week. And hopefully I have some more fun things to do. If you'd like to see me, I am at the... Marlinton, West Virginia Farmer's Market every Saturday from 9 to noon and I will be at the Autumn Harvest Festival also known as the Roadkill Cook-Off it's the same festival Uh, and the last weekend in September, that's not this coming weekend it is the next weekend, I will be there Um, I'm booth number 51 so (laughs) I'm right next to the City National Bank in Marlinton, West Virginia. So, that's where I am. If you'd like to come see me and see my yarns, you're more than welcome. If you're in the area, come see the Roadkill Cook-Off. It is not roadkill. It is what people consider roadkill, like animals for roadkill, like possum, raccoon, squirrel, things like that. It is not deer, even though we do have plenty of deer that are roadkill here. It is not considered deer, because deer is actually shot and hunted in West Virginia. Crow is also not considered it either, but you might see crow there. So, I hope you guys have a great week. I will be recording next Friday, right before the festival. So I hope to see you there. If you are there, let me know. And you might get a special prize for saying, hey, you listen to my podcast. (laughs) And I will talk to you guys later. Bye!